Very nice. Okay. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 68 for December 20th, 2011. Uh, we are, what, five days before Christmas, and I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. Uh, you are zero days from Hanukkah. That's right. It's uh, tonight's the first night. How does um, how does it work? Is it is it lunar calendar thing, right? That you have to figure out where when Hanukkah is. That's right. The Jewish uh, the Jewish people follow the the, the moon. So w- where does it actually land? What is it like the third Tuesday of the last month of the? You know what I mean? Well, no. I mean the lunar calendar. Um, is on a different cycle than the solar right, calendar. Right, right. Okay, so it so. actually happens the same time every, every you know, I, I guess, it, you know, whatever the month is. I right. don't know the Jewish months, but... So no. is it like the new moon or the full moon? What is it? What do you mean? Well, you, you know that the moon, like, cycles differently than the sun does. Yes, I know. Right? It's slightly off. Yeah, they're off by a few days. Yep. So the months, the lunar months, you know, aren't aren't always lined up. What I guess what I'm saying months. is how they decide when it is in the lunar calendar. Is it like the first full moon or the you know the no. twelfth full moon? Uh, no, there, there's an entire there's a twelve month calendar okay. based on the moon. Oh, I got you. Okay, I see what you're saying. And you know, when just the like our are, solar months are so, twenty eight days or twenty nine days well, versus thirty one. Sure, whatever they are, yeah. I don't I don't remember. But the holidays are the same. At this, they're on the same day of the same month every year, but those don't always line up with the sun because it's a different it's a different. Uh, Different calendar. That's a uh, it's interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, when you were growing up, you yep. lived in New Jersey. Yep. When you went to school, you went to school in Chicago. Well, college, you mean? College, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, how did you get from? Did you come back from Chicago? I did many times. I made the. I, I drove. I flew. Uh, I took a bus once. Oh God! How long did the bus take? It was awful. Too long. I don't even want to think about it. I, you know, and did you go for Hanukkah or did you leave? Did you have to do it like Christmas schedule because that's when the school kind of went? Um, you know, I really. I'm trying to think now. Well, Hanukkah, Hanukkah was never really like a come home from school kind of holiday, right? Um, at least not for me. The come home from school holiday was usually Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Um. So if I had to guess, if we had some magical way of pulling up my travel history over the past, I don't know, 20 years, uh, I think it's safe to say that I was home. I came to, you know, came home to New Jersey. Well, not to New Jersey because my folks moved from New Jersey to New York shortly after I started going to school. So I would actually come home to New York. I'm sure I had cool parents who came, moved to New York City. Uh, Me too, dude. I wish you did too. (laughs) The, uh, you know, I went to University of Connecticut before I went to Berkeley in Boston. Uh huh. And for the first year, my mother, or uh, my sister was a senior when I was a freshman. So we had a car and we used to drive back, um, you know, on weekends every once in a while. Uh, and then it, it, I remember one time my sophomore year, my cousin David was a senior and uh, I asked him to get a ride back for Christmas. And it was one of those Christmas kind of everyone was leaving town at the end of finals and there was actually a snowstorm like right before christmas sure it was one of those um and 
we were driving on the highway and it was like a nightmare because it was you know four billion cars and the traffic was terrible and during the weather and the weather was awful and i remember we were coming around this curve on the highway and we were in a what the hell was he driving at the time i think it was a old land cruiser uh-huh and we come around sort of the corner and this traffic was stopped dead but it was kind of like whiteout conditions, so you couldn't really see around the corner. Hmm. And David had, in order to like not kill us, he had mm-hmm. to basically fly across like three lanes of traffic while braking. Whoa, scary. you know, it was scary. It was like one of, the, and it started sliding. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like you go, you hope to God there's no one to the right of you that you're going to plow into. Yeah, that's that's nerve wracking. Yeah, like when you when you're in a car and you like realize that you've you have you've lost control of yeah. the vehicle <laughs> and you're that's, like a two-ton chunk of metal sliding at 50 miles an hour towards whatever it is sliding yeah towards. yeah that's kind of terrifying um and i remember just sort of that feeling where just time kind of stops for a second and a half while it's happening uh-huh um and we slid out of it and luckily no one was across the thing we literally went across like three lanes of traffic and then like into the 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 gutter a little bit you know wow but we, you know, we survived and got out of it. But I, I still remember that, you know, twenty years later. Sure. Uh, sliding across that thing. But sometimes I take the bus down to Hartford and have my mother pick me up or whatever it is. Man, traveling when you're a college kid, especially when you have no money. Mm. God, what a nightmare. Yeah. And in fact, it's funny that you mention it. Um, one of, I guess, technically the worst auto collision I have ever been in was during a trip from. New Jersey to Chicago. It was, uh, it was in August. It was in the summertime and it was, um, you know, back to school basically, you know? Sure. And, um, I had, uh, recently, <laughs> I'm just, I can't remember which came first. The so chicken. my, no, my first, my, my folks had two cars, you know, in, in, uh, when we lived in New Jersey, cause you know, we had a two car garage and my mom did her own stuff and my dad did his, his own stuff. And, once they moved, um, they gave me one of the cars, uh, the Toyota, and the Toyota got, um, you know, you know what? I think the Volvo. So we we had a Toyota and a Volvo. What was the Toyota? Toyota was an '82 Celica Supra. Okay. Two door. Coupe. Uh, manual. Yeah, it was really. I love that car. It was really cool. Nice and nice and compact and and fun to drive. It was white. And uh, no, you know what? Uh, it's got to be the other way around. And then we had a four-door Volvo 740 station wagon, also a stick. That was my mom's car. And so my folks were moving, and they didn't need two cars anymore because they were moving to the city. Right. So I, I got the Volvo, and I got the idea in my head that it would be cool to be able to um, have a trailer, hook up a trailer to the car. <laughs> So I got a trailer hitch installed. Was this something you'd actually ever do? I I, I thought I would. Okay. Uh, so I got a trailer ins- hitch installed, um, and got some money together with three of my friends from school who actually all lived in Milford, Connecticut, not too far from where, where we we're I talking about. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the plan was to uh, to go pick them up, load up the trailer, and then the four of us would all split the cost of the of the travel and just drive from you know, Milford to, uh, to Chicago. And, uh, it was beautiful, beautiful day. You know, uh, we were making great time and about halfway through the trip, the, the, the dead midpoint between where we were going was Youngstown, Ohio. 
and uh, I was it was like noon or eleven thirty in the in the morning. It was really still pretty early because we had a, we got an early start, and we came across some construction where you know the rough grooved pavement or whatever you sure. know where that that stuff can be really kind of came up out of nowhere, and we, we weren't traveling terribly fast uh, just because you know we had so much weight in the car. Um, I mean, we weren't we weren't speeding or anything like that, but somehow. Um, one of the tires, the rear, one of the rear tires of the car, um, blew out. Yikes! I've never had a blowout, so that's well, crazy to me. That okay. was my only ones, and 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 here's the thing: when when you have a regular blowout, you know the car kind of, you know, jerks a little bit to the side, and you know you can generally pull over and slow down without a, a ton of drama. Yeah. But in our case, because of the trailer, it totally changed the dynamics of the way that the car handled. And uh, and I think maybe in, in addition because of the the, the rough surface, uh, I lost control of the car like immediately. Like I as soon as I tried turning, like we were in the left lane, you know, and it, like I want to say we're going maybe forty five miles an hour. Uh, and as soon as you know, so we, the car starts vibrating, and I'm like, oh that that's not good. I'm going to pull over. So as soon as I put my signal on and I started pulling to the right. I completely lost control of the car, and oh, we, we, we careened across the right lane, across the shoulder, and then we bounced off of a guardrail, like not even fifteen feet um, before uh, an overpass. <laughs> like if we had, if we had bounced like a second later, probably uh, we would have gone right into that bridge and possibly over the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, once we hit the the guardrail, the the trailer separated from the car. Uh, and then we did like a, a, I guess a 720 or whatever, a 360 and three quarters, where we ended up in the middle of the of the highway. This is you know an I80 in the middle of the road, facing like perfectly centered, facing the wrong way, <laughs> like facing right. oncoming traffic, like looking out the windshield, you could see our trailer, which had been knocked on its side, and and this like trail of of stuff that had spilled out of the trailer for the next, you know, 150, 250 feet. Now, did and, anybody, know, did anybody else slam into the stuff? Were there any other accidents because of it? Uh, no, miraculously, it was a really clear day. Uh, and I think as soon as we did, you know, as soon as we hit our accident or, you know, as soon as we hit that guardrail, yeah. uh, everybody just slowed down and everything just sort of kind of came to a stop. Um, and then, you know, we got out of the car and we, you know, tried to, cle- we, we cleared the trailer and we started clearing our stuff. And I mean, the high, the, the police, you know, people, uh, the highway patrol folks came seemingly immediately and it all seemed to get sorted out really quickly. Were they like, wow, that's terrible. They had a crazy blowout. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I can't really remember too much about the details. Um, just cause it was just didn't such give a, you a ticket or anything. Did such it? a blur. And you, you know, I think my dad, cause the car was still registered to my folks. I think my dad, like a year and a half later, got an invoice from the state of Ohio <laughs> for the guardrail damage. Oh, right. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I didn't get a ticket or anything like that. Uh, the, the hassle was that because we rented the trailer from U-Haul and because the car was totally undrivable because uh, of the crash, because it you know, crashed into the guardrail, um, you know, we needed to figure out a solution. So U-Haul actually wound up helping us out. Um, we, we were able to get – we traded the trailer in for a small truck, moved all of our stuff into the truck, and then I got an Enterprise rent-a-car um, and basically – Followed so you know because only three people could really fit into the truck, sure. and there was four of us. So we we basically did a little mini caravan, you know, and took the the, the U-Haul uh, from Youngstown to uh, Chicago. And I, I what, what sucked is I had to return the car. I had to return the Enterprise car to to Youngstown again. So how did you get back from Youngstown back to Chicago? That was also a bus ride. Oh, so I, I had to go to the Youngstown Greyhound bus station, and it took like. 
10 hours to get back Ugh. or more than that. It was just pretty awful. So did any of your stuff get trashed, though, that got thrown yeah, in the middle definitely. of Yeah, definitely. Some of it totally got trashed. Uh, and that's, we lost some stuff, too. That's a good story and kind of upsetting. Yeah. Well, it just you just reminded me of it when you mentioned the whole, you know, going to school thing and yeah. coming back for the holidays and, you know, it's sort of relevant. I, you I mean, know, it, I was staring at my hand the other day because I have a scar on my right hand. They had um, those... Um, loft kind of beds you know where you can where they screwed in against the back of your dresser you know what i'm talking sure. about you know like in a dorm room sure but you could also screw them in up the top of the dresser you just had to move the bolts up and then put the thing on and whatever it is and screw them on so that uh-huh. you could use the space underneath sure and most people did this in the long run you know or made bunk beds or whatever and uh so i was doing that and my other roommate hadn't gotten there yet so i was doing it alone and i remember walking it was September in Connecticut. It was hot. Mm. And so I walked up over this hill, like it's like a half mile or whatever it is, to go to this uh, um, store to buy a adjustable wrench to do this with. And mm. I bought the adjustable wrench, and I came back, and I was doing it myself, and the bolts would slide back out into the inside of the chest. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to put them in the back of the chest sticking out and then lift the thing up, come outside, lift the thing up and try to slide it onto the bolts without pushing the bolts back through, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I did that and it slipped out of my hand and the whole bottom of the bed was made of those like springs that are like latched together. Uh Oh, and it slipped down and one of the ends of the springs just kind of sliced my hand open. Ouch. Just kind of like pulled right through like sort of between like the webbing between my fingers it kind of like went through the bottom of that mm. and it's Ow. it's not that big of a deal it's like you know like a three quarter of an inch thing and i hate cutting my hands that like drives me nuts it's not good um but it's funny that like the first day of college i still have a physical mark you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the things that man like look at this you pretty much forgot about this fairly traumatic thing that happened to you well, I didn't forget about it. I just told you the whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you forgot about it, but you don't think about it all that often, you know? Well, no. I right. try not. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not really relevant anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. But I guess my point is that you and I are still, like, in our late 30s. Uh-huh. Can you imagine if you're 90 years old and you're thinking about something that happened to you when you were a teenager? How many yeah. things you would forget or how many things that... I remember when I was a kid and my father used to my father used to tell us stories like we'd drive through where he grew up and be like, Oh yeah, and Joe Schmo over there, you know I we played stickball and I remember this one time and he'd tell me some stupid story. Yeah. I you know, it's funny you're talking about that because I was just thinking about uh, that that is sort of like the the appeal of keeping a journal or a diary. Sure. Um, and if you had the discipline, I'm, I'm hell you, you of all people should have the discipline to, to like, now it's funny. I was just listening to, you ever listen to the moth podcast? No. You know what it is? Ever hear no. of it? Uh, you should check it out. It's, it's, it's kind of NPR ish. It's okay. basically, you, you Sounds know, um, familiar. yeah, well there, there's uh, I'm sure you've heard of like poetry slams, right? You know what that is? Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, along the same vein of a poetry slam, it's more like a story slam where, where people sort of get up and I think. I think there are certain rules, but I'm not 100 percent sure. They tell stories. You know, usually it's between I don't know six and ten minutes. Sometimes they're longer, uh, and they're usually you know relatively well put together. Uh, maybe they were written out as an essay first and then read aloud, you know, performed so to speak. But sure. it's, it's essentially stories. You know, interesting people telling interesting stories. And the way they close their podcast, you know, the host says, you know, we hope you have a story worthy week. And I was just thinking about it, um, and one of my buddies. 
um, is actually you met him. You know Pat. You just met Pat. Yep. We just photographed Pat not too long ago. Pat, the uh, game player. Yes, Pat plays games for sure. But ladies, don't worry. He doesn't play games. <laughs> he's he's not that kind of player, yo. Um, but uh, Pat is a writer and has been writing an essay a week uh, for a really long time. In fact, he, he actually has a – I'll give him a little plug here. Um, he has a, a, a blog and a podcast. If you go to Rafferty-esque, uh, R-A-F-F-E-R-T-Y-E-S-Q-U-E uh, com, you'll be able to find his blog, and there's a link there to his podcast where he actually reads – the that week's uh, essay as a podcast, they're like five or six minutes long. Um, and if you're at all into gaming or geeky stuff, and actually, it's, it's not, it's no, it's not even exclusive to that. I mean, he he'll, he's, he's talked about all kinds of random stuff, like living in New York City and you know, um, relationships and who knows what else. Um, anyway, the, but it got me thinking about how if you had the discipline to to write a, a you know to pick a random element or event from your week. You know, uh, it can, and it can be something super minor too, um, and, and and just sit there and commit it to uh, commit it to a record of some sort. You know, sure. either recording yourself talking about it or writing a little journal entry. Uh, I was thinking that might be a really fun exercise. Um, I think that the recording it would be more interesting, if only because you can then hear, you the hear your, voice, your voice. Yeah, yeah true, as you change, that's a good call. Or even do it with a video. Yeah, like a video diary. Yeah. Like they do in those movies, you know, the, the video log. You sit do, down and... Do, 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 oh, look at do, you. Do, do, do. Doogie Sorry. Hauser, MD. <laughs> the mighty DX7. Love it. Uh, yeah, I just... No, you're a good idea. It's a good idea. And it's funny you should say that because, you know, the, the years that I have done annual projects, they, in some ways, are diaries, you know? Um, 365 Portraits certainly is, like, everywhere I've been. And I can look at those pictures and remember... A lot about every day. I'm sure you can. You know? I, I'm the same. It's the same thing with me. Like uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but for the past maybe two or three weeks, you've been a just, woman. Yeah, it's it's a it's really fantastic. Uh, I really enjoy wearing skirts. Um, they're liberating, really, if you think about it. Anyway, uh, I've been uh, getting uh, it just there's all this weird nostalgia happening. Like I, I've been contacted by. A handful of folks whom I haven't spoken to. I mean, the the, the longest period of time is like elementary school. Like literally, That's a long some time. Yeah, some random elementary school friend of mine uh, got in touch with me on Facebook, and we had a really good uh, email exchange. Uh, just you know, reminiscing and re- you know, recollecting stuff. And then you know, um, an old ex girlfriend of mine, and then some old buddies from high school, and then even some like people here in New York who I used to hang out with like two or three years ago, who I haven't spoken to in that long. It's just been it's just been weird. Um, the the concentration of all of that stuff happening so close together and it just got me to thinking like once you start talking to someone about a certain event you start remembering all of these other things surrounding that event you know and just the way your brain or at least anyway the way my brain files this stuff away and they're like all clumped together you know it's kind of it's kind of cool yeah i kind of like it and i want what i wonder is like like you say how long does that work does that go for like in 50 years from now or 30 years from now 10 years from now uh will it will it be the same will i remember it the same way will it will it be as vivid and as detailed or or what uh it's weird how memories go like that uh yeah. i mean i was even i've thought about it a lot i mean i don't remember anything before like nursery school i don't so, think many people do right but i well actually you know like my sister remembers me being born 
and she remembers like houses that we lived in when she was very young. Well, how um, how much older than you is she? She's three years. Okay, well, so I, she remembers things when she was three. Sure, I think that's I don't about when mine starts too. Until I was like five. Really? And yeah. I have some very vivid, like just really. I think photographs have helped. Um, uh, because you know, obviously, when you look at an old photo album, you can remember. It helps you remember stuff. But I do have some really vivid memories of of a couple of things from when I was really, really small. Yeah. It's a, it's, I don't know. Memories are a very strange thing. And I think, you, you know what, you're, you have a good idea of writing it all down. Um, you know, the year my father died, I was doing another one of those 365 things, just general stuff. I was, you know, writing poetry and taking pictures and drawing stuff. I was doing all kinds of stuff and posting them every day. Uh-huh. And, you know, then my father got sick and everything. So then it became... It wasn't that every day was about that, but a lot of them were about that. And so in some ways it became this record of what I was going through all that time. Sure. And you know what my family is going through. Yeah. And it's kind of nice having that as, as a piece of history. You know what I mean? Totally. So I, a, I've been thinking about, I think the, the, the motivation or the, the appeal to me um, is um, more from a, I guess for lack of a better term from, I guess from a creative writing standpoint, Sure. Um, lately, I guess I've been a little bit more aware of the uh, what it is to be a writer, like what what you know, um, someone who can sit down and put together a story, uh, or you know, a story is the first part. Obviously, coming up with with you know, either telling a good story and figuring out the best way to tell a story, you know, to to unfold uh, a series of events uh, from a certain perspective. Um, and then taking that one step further and figuring out uh, an interesting way to present that story um, in a sort of narrative way, like, you know, uh, if, if, if it were to be performed, right? Uh, and then the next step after that is to uh, sort of transform that into more of a, of a, of a group performance, like a, like, a, like a play or a, a movie or a television show, like a, you know, like a screenplay or something like that. Um, uh, or just a dialogue between a couple of people. It's like there's so many different ways you can you can relay the same element, the same thing that happened, you know? Uh, and I, I just think it's kind of interesting how, you know, you could take a thing that happened to you and then you could tell it in, in picture. You can draw pictures, you can make photographs, yeah. you can, you can record the audio, you can, you can, you can describe it. You can talk about it. You could write about it. You can act it out. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're just, yeah. it's just, you, I kinda, you haven't done any of this stuff in the past though. I, I guess I've done bits and pieces of it, but I never really concentrated on it. You know, I never really thought about it. Sure. Uh, and it just and it just sort of struck struck me recently that um, that there's a, there's an art to that you know there's a there's kind of a trick to doing it good yeah. to doing it well. Well, I think and, you know it's the same thing with the letter writing. You know, sure, sure. I, I mean, any anything like that. And and it just sort of struck me as like, well, you know what they say. You know, if you want to get good at something, you just keep doing it and practicing it. Yeah. And 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 I would imagine if you committed yourself to picking uh, an event from your life uh, from from that week, you know, some, something that happened in, during, the, during the weekend, you uh, made an effort to explain it to somebody or, to, you know, to, to relay that somehow, you would get good at that after doing it a bunch of times. Sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. You should start practicing. Start no, doing maybe. this. I don't know. We'll see. The, uh, hey, you, you saw the new Mission Impossible movie. I sure did. Last night. Uh, do you want to give it a 1 to 10 rating without giving stuff away? Uh... Sure. Let me think about it for a minute. Um, well, hold on a second. You saw it in IMAX, correct? I did. I heard that actual, uh, uh, like, fifth of the movie was actually shot in IMAX. 
Uh, that would I would believe that because yeah. that's one of my problems with the movie. <laughs> um, one of my one of my few critiques of yeah. the film. It, why you didn't like the IMAX thing? No, I thought the IMAX looked great. Oh, but um, then it goes back to regular but, footage. But and man, stupid. yeah, uh, the parts of it that were not shot at that resolution uh, jump right out of the screen. It's like, oh, were you guys planning on rendering these before showing the movie by any chance? You know, really? it's like, it was, oh my god, it was like half. Half, if not less than half. Now, did they the did they actually still fill the whole screen, or did they then like shrink oh, yeah. it down? No, it, so but it was obviously interpol- uh, you know, interpolated. Pixel- interpolated, yeah. You obviously know what they should have up. done, which would be kind of cool, oh. is to have certain scenes like letterboxed across the middle, and then other scenes that are in IMAX kind of blow up to the full screen. Uh, that would be jarring. Yeah, but in the same for, way that you know, people. No, I mean the the people who are going to notice what I noticed are far fewer than yeah. the people who would get jarred by the by the letterboxing. Because I saw a review about. that said you should see it in the IMAX because the IMAX is pretty great. The IMAX, some, I mean, some of the shots were really, really clever and really well put together. I mean, I think Brad Bird gets props, mad props for. And the story was good. Uh, well, it was a hundred percent consistent with the Mission Impossible. Mo, you know, I mean, it was yeah. perf- it was perfectly in tune with the rest of them. I guess my question is, do, do you think Brad Bird was successful in his first live action movie? Absolutely. Okay. Two thumbs up for Brad Bird. He did a great job. Uh, you know, I was seeing on the website last night there are video. There's video of Tom Cruise actually hanging out off the side of the Burj Dubai. Yeah. Spinning around, like literally yeah. doing flips and stuff off yeah, the side of the tallest building in the world. Nerve wracking. I mean, and the way they shot that, the some of the angles that they got, and some of the. Uh, some of the, the, you know, the way it was covered was just really, really well done. And the guy who did a review of it said, you know, action movies are so much better when you can tell that they actually did the action. What? The, the idea being that once everything becomes CG, it just becomes like, okay, you could do absolutely anything. It just becomes silly. Yeah, no, there, there was, I, I feel like a lot, like, there, the, the, any, any of the CG stuff here was really minimal. And most of it felt practical to me. Um that my my favorite scene um had to have been totally practical uh which is this uh this you know obviously there's there's a bunch of fight scenes right you know where sure where the good guys are are fighting with the bad guys and they're trying to you know they're they're chasing after the whatever it is you know the macguffin of the movie uh yeah sure so there's this one scene where tom cruise is fighting with the bad guy uh, and and it's a briefcase. They're they you know they're after the briefcase. I mean this could be right out of a spy versus spy comic. Sure. And they're in this uh, parking structure, one of these newfangled tower style uh, corn cob robotic you know parking gizmos. Oh, gotcha. where, yeah, yeah. Where, where you like put a, the car and it brings it up like like the videotape machines at old TV stations. Yeah, like a carousel kind of deal. Yep. And uh, and so they're inside this. This, this structure and you know the elevators are constantly going up and down and fetching cars and and this and that and and the, and that I mean that's where I think Brad Bird really shines as a director I mean I'm assuming he he you know he blocked that out and yeah. and made it work and there's some really terrific shots and just you know well, you know really what's kind of scene. funny a guy like him yeah could call upon like the people at Pixar and literally do the shots in 3D well I yeah I, but I think before that stuff I think one of the secrets to the success of Pixar is that before they even set hand on a mouse or a tablet, they, they storyboard the crap out of that stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'm pretty sure that he, you know, and him as a director, he's a very visual, like right. a, a more, I would say more visual than most directors. Cause I think he has a comic and 
you know, cartoon background. So it felt like every shot was there because he wanted it to be there. Yeah. Yeah. There were some really clever, clever angles and clever transitions. And, and okay. like I said, it was, it was fun to watch. It was a yeah. fun to watch movie for sure. I'm looking forward um, to that one. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, we also watched the new trailer for the dark Knight. Yeah, that was actually uh, shown. The first six minutes of the film were shown. Yeah, okay. I saw yeah, the, the whole thing. thing in the airplane. I yeah. saw. I, okay, I saw a, a like a phone cam version. Yeah, of that. bootleg version of that. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and then there's a new trailer out that's like a two minute teaser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got to tell you, yeah, like I mean, the six minute thing was fine. Yeah, you couldn't really understand what they were saying, so it kind of took away from it. Yeah, but. Um, I, the trailer, the teaser did not, nothing for me. I was like, mm-hmm. eh, like <laughs> you guys have a lot of work to do on this movie because <laughs> nothing that I've seen makes me want to see this movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know, but did you see that stunt with the planes, dude? No, no, no. The plane thing was kind of cool, but, but I'm saying in the official trailer, there was none of that. Uh, I didn't, it was I just didn't sort of like, that. really? And I saw something else recently, a trailer that I was like, wow, you guys got to do a lot more work because... This makes me oh the um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I saw mm. the preview for that and I was like, no, this doesn't make me want to see this movie. Did you see the extended one where the you saw the one there wasn't like any talking or anything like that, right? It was just clips of scenes and stuff, right? Are we talk about Dark Knight. No, the the dragon tattoo. The one. dragon tattoo. Uh, yes. No, the, yes. I, I, when I saw that one as well, the, I was like, whatever. But then the, there's a, a better one where they actually introduce some of the characters and some of the plot, and then it and then it piqued my interest. So now I, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Ah. Uh. So you should, yeah, watch the current one or the longer okay. one. Because the, the, the preview I saw was kind of like, okay, this looks really stupid. Like, yeah, it looks more like this, a crappy horror movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, this doesn't yeah. make me interested at all. No. Um, so, wait, you were saying that there's a new compact flash? Yeah, that's right. Standard? I, that's, I just I just did a quick lookup. So it's a completely new card then. Yeah, it's a whole new standard. Right? If you go to the, I think it's compactflash.org or whatever. Right. Um, uh, so it, it's Q uh, XQD standard. That's it. Uh, the compact comes out flash of the 125 megs a second. Yep. See, this seems very useful for, say, video people. I think anybody. I mean, it, here's the thing. You have to understand, man. The compact flash format has been around for, yeah. like, what, 15 years? Yeah, the fact that they have really it doing what time. it's doing is pretty impressive. And, and, and I, mean, I mean, it's a joke, dude. You, you get these new cards, and they're rated at, what, 600x. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's yeah. because the original... That's was, I mean, what, that says something. 120k a second, I think, so, right? Something like kilobits per second. I mean, yeah. it was so slow. Yeah. So it's kind of comical that, they're, that yeah. they're doing it like this. You know, I use I use Extreme 3 30 megabyte cards. cards. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I mean... You use the 60 megabyte Extreme 4s or whatever they are, right? I just picked up a pair of the uh, 16 gig 90 megasecond ones, actually. Okay, here's the thing. Sale. It yeah. can... Firewire 800 can't do 90 megs a second. Well, it, it likes the 90 megasecond card. I can tell you it's... Yeah, fast. but how it's, fast does it actually pull off the card? You know, at least 50 or 60. I mean, okay. it's pretty fast. So you're topped out at 50 or 60. I think so. For, and that's FireWire 800. I just pulled six gigs off of a card in like a minute and a half. Okay. I just, it feels like, I mean, I use these 30 megabyte cards, but I use a USB adapter because oh, I don't have FireWire 800 on my computer. Right. Um, so there's really no advantage to me. No, I guess not. I mean, because yeah. if, if, it's not, it's not mean, like your it camera seems like can these, make them these super faster. fast cards, right. And I certainly don't shoot that I ever, I mean, it's very rare that I fill the buffer and that's like some weird situation where I just have the 
camera and machine gun mode, you know, yeah, to get have a certain you, shot. Have you you've heard of a uh, Sonnet, the company? S-O-N- sure, and yep. ETT. Uh, they have been coming up with a bunch of. Uh, do they make an eSATA one or something? They do. They make an eSATA card reader, which is again aimed at the video folks, uh, and it's preposterously expensive. It's like eight hundred bucks, <laughs> uh, but it can go really fast. It is looking really cool and and you know and that's another that's a place for uh there's a thunderbolt one too now apparently uh that's well that's it's, a PC, it's an express, express card. card so you still need to put a so you, you know, could link up the things and and stick an express card cf adapter in there in theory if you wanted to yeah for sure. it's a yeah it's an interesting thing i mean again i think that a lot of those faster ones it becomes more of an issue for video people um, well, yeah, or, or people who are doing large, large yeah. format stuff. Like mine stuff doesn't dump that slowly. It's that I have it actually converting to, um, converting to DNG on import. So that's what's slower. Mm. You know, it's it's loading them and it's doing the conversion, but it still takes. You know, it's one every five seconds or something. You know, right? Sure. So you know what? I walk away and I get something to drink, and I come back five minutes later, and they're all yeah, and there you and go. converted. You're good you to know. go. Um, but you know what I don't like are these uh, I don't like the SD cards and I really hope that any new cameras that come out don't use these SD cards well I don't know about that man I think SD SD is a much newer format it's only about I don't know 10 years old but it's kind of slower no well it is it is slower it's a slower format in general but it's so much cheaper for them to make I know know? but yeah they're and it's a good size it's a really handy size see I lose them I like the bigger card (laughs) Yeah, well, I got news for you. The you know the the future in, in large things getting bigger is not very good. I don't want them to get bigger. I just don't like like these micro SDs. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, it's literally like the, the the size your, of your pinky nail. It's your right? pinky it's, nail. Yeah, yeah it's teeny weeny. It's like it, that's just silly. Yeah, uh, at a certain point. Um, not to mention you know, they're not terribly fast. There's some people who buy a lot of these cards and they buy the cheap ones and they actually use them as like film and never delete them. Yeah, I think Dan uh, Benjamin about, was talking about that. Somebody uh, saw on some podcast. I, yeah, I think I heard that too. I mean, I guess if you were shooting JPEGs and you didn't actually shoot that much, and you were just shooting your friends and family or whatever, sure, sure, because you could get a thousand or two thousand pictures on a card. Yeah, my mom that does that. My mom bucks. never ever removes anything from her cards. She just leaves them on there and keeps just keeps importing. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it's like a whole other world. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to I went and did some last minute shopping. Oh yeah. Yesterday. Well, it is the holiday season. Yeah, I God, I hate Christmas shopping. It's so yeah. frustrating. Uh, but I got um, I got my sister one of those Kindle touches. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got the last one at Best Buy. The last one. Literally, there was one left on the shelf, and it was behind a bunch of Kindle Touch 3Gs because ah. she doesn't need the 3G because she's got an iPad and a phone and whatever. Uh huh. I just wanted like a reader that she could throw in her jacket pocket, you know, uh, that doesn't cost six hundred dollars, and you know. Uh, so I, I, I found the last, literally I had to like dig through and there was one in the back of the, of the row, you know? Um, and it's, and then I had to go stand in line for 15 minutes or whatever it is. Ugh. And that was on a Monday. Of and then course. I told you I went to Macy's and that oh was a, a mess. <laughs> Dude, when I you, would not go anywhere near Macy's during the week before Christmas. And when, you know what, the, the other thing about Macy's too is, well, first of all, there's not, there are people on the floor, but half of them are like holding sunglasses and perfumes and yeah. not enough people asking you if that you need help. It, it's you know, insane. It's it, impossible well, it, to find well, somebody to help you, and yet there's four billion workers around. Well, and the place is just huge. I mean, it is a huge, yeah. it's a giant building yeah. 
and it just it's keeps monstrous. it's sprawling. It's and giant. You know what kind of surprised me? I don't remember when I was a kid things being so segregated within Macy's. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, in that, in, I mean that it really has become just a bunch of little brand stores inside of a bigger store. Sure. You know, here's the little CK section, and here's the little whatever. I don't even know these brands. Donna Karen section. You know. Uh-huh. Well, that's um, that, that's what people want. I know, but it seems like it's kind of drifted that way. Where Macy's is a mall unto itself. Not that it has everything in the mall. Which well, it's a it department does. store, right? Right? Know? Right? But I mean that the departments have been split up into brands. Yeah, in a way I that I don't right. remember them being when I was a kid. Yeah, I, well, I don't really have too many memories of yeah, you know, spending and then trying to find something in that damn store. Stores. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. trying to trying to get by the stupid fragrance people without having them spray Ugh. you. Yeah, because I get migraines, and that I I literally hold my breath and then speed walk through that entire section. I've I've been known to like circumvent it, like by going all the way on the outside, just, yeah, just just to avoid it. Just and up, you know the other wind. cool thing they have are those crazy wooden uh, escalators. Oh right, right, the old school like escalators. The old school escalators, which are yeah. kind of cool, just from a you know historical standpoint. Yeah, sure. yeah. it's good stuff. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I did that, and then I got my mother because my mother doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh-huh. A, uh huh. A one of those snap-on cases for her MacBook Air. Oh, the spec. Yeah. Nice. Not cheap for a couple of pieces of plastic, though. It's like They're fifty dollars like for a piece yeah, of plastic. 40, 50 bucks. It's kind of nuts. Have you ever used these? Well, yeah, I use them. It's funny. I was just recommending them to a friend um, just this morning. Uh, I think they are very good if you are doing a lot of. Um, traveling with your with your laptop right. like if you're the kind of person who takes it with you in and out of the bag on and off the desk uh or in a photo capacity like if you're a photographer or a tech and you are <clears throat> sticking your your laptop on a tripod with a laptop plate you know and you're tethering a camera to it um you want your camera you want your computer to be as secure as possible so it's not uncommon for guys in that position to take advantage of velcro uh, sure. Or hook and loop fasteners, if you were not the uh, the Velcro type, and uh, nobody wants to put Velcro on the bottom of their computer. You don't actually want to stick the the stuff onto the but computer itself. You might put itself. it on the bottom of a case. So you put this case on, which is form fitting, um, and then you can Velcro and sticker the crap out of that thing. You yeah. put tape on it, whatever. And then, you know, and it does because these laptops are made out of metal. They are prone to denting and scratching. I mean, it's not going to break it or anything like that. But you know, right. it'd be nice if. You know, you kept it in relatively good shape. So, so do, for that kind of stuff, that if, if if she had this, does she need a sleeve too? Um, I, I would say it it definitely negates the immediate need for a sleeve. Like I I wouldn't put a, a you know a, a hard shell covered laptop in a sleeve necessarily. I would put it in a laptop bag, you know, for for te- for carrying it around. Right. Um, but if she but had it, a big purse, she could put it in her purse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it just protects, you know, it, this, what, what a sleeve does, a sleeve is essentially like a soft gig bag, like a you know, soft case sure. for the laptop, uh, just to keep things from scratching and rubbing up against it, you know, in, yeah. when it's in another bag. Yeah. But if you put a hard case, hard shell case around it, that kind of serves the same purpose. Uh, um, you know, I did something that you kind of recommended to me, which was I also got her a $25 gift certificate. To the, to iTunes, the iTunes store, store. cuz yeah. you know she bitched at me about the fact that her MacBook Air which I suggested to her doesn't have a DVD drive. It's true. They don't. My mother my mother's sort of living 5 years ago. Sure. And I tried to explain to her that you don't really need to do that anymore and she can just download stuff that she wants to watch. It's true. But I don't think she's figured this out yet. 
So I figure if I give her 25 or maybe I got a $50, I think a 25 just to start because I don't yeah. know if she's actually going to use it. Yeah. Um, I think the rentals are like, what, 299 or 399 I don't know. So she can yeah. say she's going on a trip. She can download four or five movies yeah. and have them on the thing. And as long as she doesn't start watching them, I think they hold up for a couple weeks or something. Oh, that's cool. Um, so you could like, you know, she could download a bunch, watch movie one and two. And as long as she doesn't start movies three or four, they don't expire until she watches them um neat yeah so you know it's just an idea something to do but the reason i bring this up is that i went to the new apple store in the grand central oh yeah how was that um fine (laughs) i mean it was busy obviously sure um something about it kind of bothers me because it makes grand central terminal kind of feel like apple central terminal terminal (laughs) really well, because there's a big Apple sign at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like it's at the top of the stairs. It's a huge building. There's there's so much more going on there. Yeah, but there aren't that many big signs, and there's like these big. It just I don't know. There's something about it that feels a little too. I don't know. It was fine. Okay. But you know, one thing I noticed in the branding, they use red type now. Who does? Apple. What do you mean? On the signs, it said MacBook Air, and the MacBook Air was written in red. Where? On this big giant, you know, ten oh, foot signs the at the store. In store graphics. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, it's for the holiday. I understand that, but I just, I, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. Did they do that for the holiday normally? I think so. The, all the the employees were wearing red shirts, weren't they? Weird. Right. Uh, yes, they were wearing yeah, red shirts. I think, what, yeah, they, red, they don't. Don't they usually wear red shirts? For the holiday, they do. Oh, uh, I see. After Thanksgiving, there was special Christmas. You know, you wear the the red shirts from. You get like three of them, and you wear them from Thanksgiving till the new year ah see you've got all the inside track i I used to work there but it makes me not want to go back to (laughs) the store because it's you know i mean you know what it is it's handy if you need to go by there and the fifth avenue store is actually not it's not that it's hard to get to it's just that i don't normally go up there you know it's kind of nuts if you think we were just talking about this yesterday there there are three apple stores within a five mile radius now there's the one oh, on the Upper City. West Side. Yeah. There's uh, four, actually. What do you mean? There's What's the 14th the and 9th Avenue. No, I'm saying within a five, like within five miles of each other, though, even closer. Like the one on the Upper West Side is at like 66th and Broadway. Right. And then there's the one... Uh, Wait, there's a 66th and Broadway one? Yeah, and it's big. It's two stories. Okay. 66th and Broadway, 5th Avenue, Grand Central. Right. And, and so the, those, and those three stores, you could... Let me put it to you this way. You can walk from the Upper West Side store... To the uh, Fifth Ave store in fifteen, maybe maybe twenty minutes most, right? Sure. And yeah. then and then f- to walk from the Fifth Ave store to the Grand Central one, that's ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. Right. It's kind of crazy that they're like that close together. Yeah. Yeah. But none of them are actually convenient to me. <laughs> I guess the Soho one is the most convenient. Really? Yeah. I guess because um, well, no, the F doesn't really go anywhere the F, near there yeah the f stops at broadway lafayette and you can go over to the yeah, i guess it's not yeah, bad. going all the way up into town is kind of unnecessary you know no, the fifth Ave would be the closest to you if you take the f all the way up to or most convenient train wise if you take the f to 50 Why? wait hold on broadway lafayette is two blocks away from the soho store yeah i suppose it's yeah soho's physically like geographically closer but i'm talking about like the the trains oh the, the train line because you yeah. Well, well the train would get off at, at 57. No, you're right. You're, you're whatever, right. So, yeah. Soho is probably the best. But I'm just, you know what I'm surprised is they haven't put a store 
in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, I think they're planning on doing one at that weird uh, the the where the Nets Stadium and the stuff. Oh, like near Atlantic Center, like yeah. that near where the Target and the Guitar Center. Yeah, and but the, all but the other. new buildings that they're doing in the train yard there. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. Yeah, crazy stuff going on over there. Yeah, that's, I can't believe they're putting a stadium in the middle. It's like the it's worst stupid. possible spot for it, man. It's stupid. It's you know it's it is such and, a and mess. It's like you know our tax dollars going to build a stadium. It's like screw that. <sighs> that's what we need. That stuff bothers me. But I, I, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody recently. I cannot remember. who. I'm really getting bad at this, man. I, I'm remembering these conversations that I have, but I can't remember who the hell I was talking to about them. Okay, it's kind of annoying. Anyway, we're, we were talking about. I'm getting old. What's your name again? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, we're talking about how sports have sort of taken this really interesting turn or have become have sort of occupied this 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 space in the the cultural collective conscience i don't i don't know what, how you want to put it but sports has, has gotten way bigger you know than it ever was i mean sport, the, the whole concept of professional uh, athletics is just insane now like they're spending so much money on these players on the advertising on the the stadiums on the endorsements Yep. All of this stuff, and the the, the I think the, con- the the conversation we were having was along the lines of like sports taking the place of war and religion. <laughs> um, okay, where like where because you know his, and his theory was sort of like um, in the older you know in the day, you know fifty years ago uh, the United States was always up in somebody's business. There, you know, there's always sure. something going on. You know, people were always fighting in some respect. You know, there's a war every what twenty years. Sure. Something like that, and it was a big deal. You know, war wasn't as 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 you know commercialized as it is now, uh, and you know people were way more patriotic. Um, and don't get me wrong, like the whole concept of team spirit and people, you know, being fans of a, of a team that's always been there. But I don't think it's ever been like this deep as well, it is now. They've learned that they can charge more money for the tickets and the products, well, the, and the, it's insane, dude. Yeah, uh, now I remember who stupid. I was talking to. Like like now he was telling me this. So this guy uh, has. He's worked in the business. He's worked for like uh, the company that owns Madison Square Garden and a couple of these these other big venues. And he's saying how now, like getting a box, you know, like a like a private, um, like a season ticket box at one of these stadiums costs I don't know like ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Sure. For the season, and then on top of that, you need to like buy a license to buy that seat. Like yeah. there's an additional. It's I mean it just. Blows me away it's how stupid. well a lot of so it's, you expensive know, companies it is. buy them to schmooze people with and no and I, I understand but dude that is a serious no, it, ton of change man that is kiddo, a lot of you money can't, you're not going to surprise me about how ridiculous all that is it's absurd I get in this argument we have friends who work for Major League Baseball and I get in yeah. arguments with them well, about I mean, it. it's I'm just not, like I, it's just stupid you know I'm not we, complaining about it I'm just watched, marveling at it I'm marveling That's yeah what I'm well doing. we watched Moneyball the other day oh right I saw that which is actually pretty good sure um. But again, you know, it, it was fascinating and it was interesting and the dialogue was good and the acting was fine and sure. whatever it is. But like all the parts where like the music swelled because I was supposed to get into baseball. Uh-huh. I was like, huh? Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah, like, I, I know. Just it's, don't care. It, it just it, it really fascinates me. And I think I think his point of the whole um, the fact that, you know, now because of how where how and where religion has evolved. Um, it's kind of true, you know. If you think about it, I mean, sure. Sports, pe- there are people who are as passionate about their team and their players as people can be about their religion, you know, yeah, or about their country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I don't know. That stuff just gets weird. stupid. It's nuts. Um. Hey, why don't we wrap this one up early? Okay. Uh, 
we are, I'm away until Tuesday next week. You're staying in town? Yeah, baby. Staycation. Right, so, so either Tuesday or Wednesday we'll record next week. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll make some calls and get somebody in because people will be off for vacation. We'll get a, we'll get a, 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 a guest in. Okay. We've right. been talking about that now for quite I know. Time. We will. <laughs> uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can go to Circuitous. Dot .tv is our website. Right. This with was show notes. E- and, each episode has notes and uh, comments if you want to come there in. There you go. Uh, and dialogue. you can get a hold of us at circuitousconversations at gmail.com, uh, yep. at Bill Wadman, at Dan Gottesman on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yep. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess by the next time, the holidays will have all passed. So happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to those of you that care about that stuff and happy to christmas to those of you in england right happy christmas i like that uh it's good stuff so we'll uh we'll see you next week post holiday and we'll we'll bring a guest in yes goodbye